Pastor Adonai, more than guards on watch for the morning. More than guards on watch for the morning. Israel, put your hope in Adonai, for grace is found with Adonai, and with him is unlimited redemption. He will redeem Israel from all their wrongdoings. In fact, it was our diseases he bore, our pains from which he suffered. Yet we regarded him as punished, stricken and afflicted by God. But he was wounded because of our crimes, crushed because of our sins. The discipline that makes us whole fell on him, and by his bruises we are healed. We all, like sheep, went astray. We turned each one to his own way. Yet Adonai laid on him the guilt of all of us. Though mistreated, he was submissive. He did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to be slaughtered, like a sheep silent before its shearers, he didn't open his mouth. After forcible arrest and sentencing, he was taken away, and none of his generation protested his being cut off from the land of the living for the crimes of my people who deserved the punishment themselves. He was given a grave among the wicked. In his death, he was with a rich man. Although he had done no violence and had said nothing deceptive, yet it pleased Adonai to crush him with illness to see if he would be presented as himself as a guilt offering. If he does, he will see his offspring and he will prolong his days and at his hand, Adonai's desire will be accomplished. Baruch ata Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu et derech haYeshua, beYeshua meshicheinu. Together, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us the way of salvation through Yeshua, our Messiah. Why have penitential prayers? You know, it, it doesn't really fit very well in our culture, does it? When you think of our culture, society around us is designed to emphasize the feel-good, you know, the so-called therapeutic society. Something's wrong with you, you uh, find a guru or find a therapist or find the right pills to fix you and etc., etc., make you feel all better. Nothing wrong with that. However, um, again, on one hand, on the other hand, our life is not about us having a wonderful sense of self-esteem. Because then all we would be doing day long is pursuing things that feed that. And so how do you wrap your arms around penitential prayers? What is the purpose? What is the value? Um, can you relate to the prayers that were being said? Or did you just do a liturgical thing, blah, 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 let's move on. Which is typically what often happens when people recite liturgical prayers. You know, no thought whatsoever 
the lips are moving, the brain is disconnected. And just so that you are aware, uh, we took a great deal of care in crafting the service. Some of it is traditional, some of it comes from a couple of messianic sources. Bottom line is we pray that the presence and the voice of God would be heard through each part of the service, including the liturgy. Again, the confessional or the penitential part of the service serves a very important prayer because it holds a mirror to us and reflects just who we are. And reality, folks, is that if you're like me, like all of us, we want to present a, a nice persona. That, by the way, is the Greek word for mask, which, fr from which we get the word person. We want to present ourselves in the most favorable light possible to people. It's understandable. And part of that means that we do the, the mantra of I'm okay. I don't know if you're okay. You may be dysfunctional, but I'm okay. <laughs> and so for us to come to terms with this kind of um, penitential prayer is, is, is odd, isn't it? Don't you find it a little odd? Maybe I'm a little mishogi. It is odd. Uh, because I don't believe that any of us really could say, I am guilty of every single one of those sins explicitly. I've committed every one of those sins. So what's the purpose of the penitential prayer? First of all, it is corporate, which means that we as a community are, are guilty of sin, all kinds of sins. You can't live in this world without being tainted and being defiled and being polluted by the world around you. So yes, we are. Also, on an in individual basis, I would dare anybody here to look at that list of penitential prayers in the Vidui and say, there's nothing in these prayers that I'm not guilty of. I would expect that every one of us has at least one item in there that we can cover our head look away and say, yes, I'm guilty of that. I can tell you I'm guilty of at least a couple. And in privacy of my, my prayer closet with God, I, I would say probably a lot more. And the Word of God gets in our face, and we don't like that. The Torah gets in our face and tells us all kinds of commandments. Why? One of the reasons is that it shows the holy standards of God, who, just who God is, the things that He likes and the things that He despises. And by the way, the thing that He despised a couple thousand years ago, He is not ecstatic about today. Right? And what we find as you go, as you read through the Scripture, that God gets increasingly more in your face through the prophets you can't help but read the prophets and see how they scream and, and how they describe sin in great and nauseating detail. And then you come to the Sermon on the Mount from which we get some of the penitential prayers and you see that Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, is even worse about it. 
And he's confronting an audience that says, oh, I'm a good person. You know, you hear a lot of this kind of stuff from people. I'm a good person and God is a loving God. And because he's a loving God, he will, of course, let me into his house, into his heaven. And Yeshua basically takes the most extreme example and says, you think that you're not guilty of breaking the Big Ten. You know, the Ten Commandments. And Yeshua says, let me show you how you are. And that is where we get that you have heard that it was said, and I say unto you. He's not minimizing the Torah. What he is doing is simply saying, let me explain to you the depth and the intensity of what the Torah was about. So that you understand that the act begins long before the action itself takes place. It begins in the heart as, as it um, germinates like a seed or like a fertilized egg and then becomes, grows and is given birth in all its ugliness. Yeshua's point simply is all of that begins in the heart and, and stuff flows from the heart. So again, what's the purpose of penitential prayer? Is it to leave us at the end of an evening or two fully depressed and shoving all of that into the corner so that we realize our failures in great and exquisite detail? I don't believe so. Because if you notice the psalm that we read, Psalm 51, that was penned by David after he had committed at least a couple of the big ones, adultery and murder, but you can make a case that he was engaged in doing probably two more of the big ten, you know, lying and, and, and deception and taking the name of God in vain and so on and so forth. I don't know if you noticed. If you haven't, let me, let me challenge you to go home and take your Bible, assume you have one, and uh, read it. And notice that only a small portion of this particular psalm addresses the ugliness of David's sin. The rest of it is about God. And the point simply is that the penitential prayers hopefully are designed or function not so much to cause you to beat up on yourself. Self-flagellation is something that people do rather well, unfortunately. But rather to go from that and seeing your sin in its depravity and then saying, okay, here's my sin. Here is who God is in His righteousness. And oh, by the way, isn't God incredible? That is the message, really, of this penitential song. Instead of causing the person to say, I am, I am a worm, sooner or later it is designed to draw your attention and bring you to just who God is. That is what we find. Beginning, let me just read to you a couple of statements that just to refresh your memory. David says, I know my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. Pretty depressing uh, state of affair, isn't it? You know, to have your screen perpetually filled with, with your junk. Ah! Against you only 
Have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? This is, if you have your Bibles, uh, Psalm 51, 3 and 4. So that you're proved right when you speak, justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So that's the section about David's sin. The rest of it is about the Lord, about God. First of all, he begins with a good place for all of us to begin, and that is getting the basic reality of the mercy of God. Folks, and if you don't have a clue about the mercy of God, let, let me urge you to get a clue. Because without that, your life will be perpetually wobbly until you get a clue and understand the mercy of God. The truth is David understood well that God could have nuked him. And if you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, I can look at my life and say, you know, there are times that I've done things that if God was truly just, only just, he would have been fully justified in putting me out. But he didn't. That's what David says. You delight not in sacrifice, or else I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, this is verse 7, sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What is he saying? He's saying that God understands us in our brokenness. The prophet Isaiah and also in, in one of the gospel records states that Messiah will not take a bruised reed and crush it. He will not take a flaming wick and put it out. God isn't interested in taking us and wiping us off the face of the earth. He wants to bring about redemption and restoration. So David exalts God for his mercy. He also has a basic sense and appreciation of the fact that God really is able to do something about his sin. That it's not a hopeless case. Beginning in, in the psalm, he says, Have mercy on me, Lord, according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgression kind of gives you the picture of a blackboard or whiteboard or, or whatever is, is now in the 21st century I guess you don't talk about blackboards anymore <laughs> blot out my transgression verse 9 hide, out, hide your face from my sins blot out all my iniquity and back and forth and back and forth, wash, this verse 2, wash my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Do you get that? It's a statement of confidence, categorical statement that God is able and willing to bring about thorough house cleaning in your life. Which means that you don't have the Lady Macbeth syndrome. If you're familiar with Shakespeare and Lady Mac and, and Macbeth, you know that she and her husband both were involved in trying to do away with the opposition. Anybody that was a threat, she walks at night, two o'clock in the morning, tries to scrub out this imaginary blood on her, and that's where we get the famous line, out the damn spot. 
course, utterly useless. Didn't do anything for her. And for us to obsess over our sin and defilement does absolutely nothing. In fact, it's worse than nothing. It makes us tired, doesn't it? Makes us feel like we're under bondage. And really worse, it breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God when he sees people trying to do what is impossible, that is engage in self-reformation. By the way, if you, if you are familiar with the traditional Jewish liturgy and, and rabbinic writing, you'll see that spread all over, this notion of self-examination and self-reformation. Absolutely useless. Because we really don't have what it takes to do that. David... King David understood that the only way he could be clean is if God would clean him. He has a strong grasp that God would not only clean him, but God would restore him. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 10. God is able to work creatively in us as he did way back in creation and give us a clean heart and a correct and steadfast spirit. David understands somehow that God can keep him on track. And because of that, he wants to share it with others. Verse 13 to 15, Then I will teach transgressors, transgressors your ways and sinner, sinners will turn back to you, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You don't see David here talking about wanting to get on the Dr. Phil show or other places and talk about his, hang out his dirty laundry, what he wants to talk about. Yes, I have been defiled and yes, God cleaned me. And folks, that is our commitment here at Yeshua Tzion. We've tasted the goodness of God. Especially during the times when we've felt lower than dirt. And each one of us goes through those times when you feel lower than dirt. You say amen to that. We understand our failures to live up to God's standards of righteousness. That's on one hand. On the other hand, we kvel, we celebrate God's mercy that is poured out to us. You know, if you understand God's mercy and God's chesed, God's grace to you, you will give it out. I found that the folks who are graceless are people who don't understand that they have received grace. We do. We felt the cleansing effect of God's work in His Word. We experienced God's work of restoration. And we realized there's a lot more where that came from. God isn't finished with us. That's sanity saver for me, folks. And of course, because of that, like David, we want 
to share this word, to have it go out, not because of us, but because we want to propagate and communicate this message of redemption to other people of all kinds. It's my understanding that you would not be here tonight unless you had some kind of a desire and understanding about your need for cleansing and forgiveness of your sin. You know, you could be back home watching TV or doing something else. But perhaps the truth and the reality of God's mercy hasn't sunk in. Perhaps you are filled with the conviction of your own shortcomings and your own failures and your own sin. And perhaps you've tried to cleanse yourself and you've found your efforts to be totally useless, just like Lady Macbeth. There's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom from that needless guilt. Freedom from that needless guilt because God is able and willing to bring about cleansing. Let me encourage you to read, reread the psalm, ask God to speak to you. Take the same steps as David did from understanding, grappling with your sin to rejoicing in the fact that God has provided atonement and cleansing and forgiveness for you. And we are strongly convinced that that's only possible through the work, the atonement that comes through Messiah Yeshua. If you've never experienced that, we'd like to encourage you to take those steps, dip your toes in the water, and embrace the reality of the atonement that God gives. Let's take a moment to pray. We rejoice, Lord God, in the magnificence of who you are, that you are incredibly holy. We thank you, Lord God, and we rest and are confident in the incredible mercy and forgiveness and patience you have for us. We thank you, Lord God, for the atonement, the cleansing that you provide that goes deep into us, that works from the inside out. We thank you, Lord God, that you are perpetually at work. Lord God, I pray for each one of us that you give us the holy chutzpah to cry out to you and say, Lord, create in me a pure heart and establish within me the correct spirit. Pray, Lord, for anyone who has not entered into a relationship with you. We pray that tonight, this Kol Nidre, this Yom Kippur Eve, that that will take place. Above all, we pray that your name will be honored and glorified in the name of Yeshua. Amen. We like to continue with the rest of our service. Teshuva, commitment to change. How easy it is to become complacent 
to become indifferent to the Lord's demands for holiness in our lives. Let us allow the Lord's probing light to shine. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Repentance must become part of our lifestyle so that we can fulfill our Messiah's instruction. I encourage you to take a few minutes for Amidah, what is traditionally called Amidah, um, which is essentially a silent, a time for silent prayer. And uh, we've, we have a section in, in our bulletin that gives you some suggestions to encourage you and give you some possible directions. And uh, bottom line, folks, take these few minutes as precious time to have a conversation with the Almighty. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. Have this time for a conversation. Whether it's penitential, whether it's praying for others, just pray as, as you are led.
you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. On this day, Yom Kippur, as we make a commitment to follow the Lord's call to holy living, we need to remember his larger plan for the spiritual restoration of Israel and all mankind. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. We will conclude the service with the ironic benediction, which is found in Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to bless the people. Please receive the blessing. Yevarechich Adonai veyishmerecha Yaer Adonai panavelecha Veichunecha Yisa Adonai Panavelecha Viasem lecha Shalom B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach Sar HaShalom May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his shalom, his wholeness, his completion. The name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen. As I've suggested earlier, our blessing is on one hand, on the other hand. On one hand, Chag Sameach. Ah, Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. On the other hand, may you have a good and a blessed fast, those who are led. May you have a special glimpse of the presence of God.